but we're going to be going through Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 today. It's a powerful passage. Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 13. And Chad, thank you for reading that for us today. Um, I think the message that we have today would have been better had Grandpa given it. Uh, for those of you that know, I meet with Grandpa uh, every Tuesday, and he's a, I would say an ex-pastor, but you're still a pastor. We'll say that, okay? Uh, I sit with him, and we go through the Bible study as what's coming up. And I, uh, just in all fairness, so you know that I am uh, just being honest here, and I am not plagiarizing. This is mostly Grandpa's message this week, so he should be up here giving it. However, he said when he turns 70, which is this year, he's already promised to give us one more message, right, Grandpa? 90. Or not, not, did I say 70? Hey, Grandma would have liked that, okay? Okay, so when he turns 90, we have one more coming from Grandpa. But in all fairness, uh, we met today, and I thought, oh, or this week, I thought this is an incredible message. And so I think we're all going to get blessed by the words of the Bible today. So let's go ahead and begin to just unpack this a little bit. Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 13. Uh, Chad, you already read it. But if you look, at, if you look uh, it talks about the mystery Right? You see this, the mystery in verse, uh, verses 3, 4, 5, 6. It talks about the mystery. In the New Testament, and especially what it's talking about here, it's talking about a sacred or secret truth, the mystery. Something unknown to the unbelievers is now understood and treasured by God's people, and it's talking about this mystery. Well, what is this mystery that it's talking about? How many of you have mysteries in your life? Just things that, okay, I'm, I'm not, I may not figure this out. It's Jeff smiling, some people, okay. I have plenty of mysteries in my life. In fact, I have about four bike locks that are in our garage that are hanging that have some kind of code that go with them, and I don't know what those codes are. Anyone have those? That's a mystery to me. I have no idea. In fact, I've got so many mysteries, and maybe, maybe you get this way as well. How many of you like passwords? Like, I love passwords. I finally got this program, and, and what it is is one password for all my passwords. Well, what happens if I forget my one password? Like everything, now my whole life is locked out. It's just a mystery. We have mysteries in our life. And what mystery is being revealed here as Paul is, is talking to this church, and he's explaining, and he's written this letter. Remember, he's written this letter from house arrest in Rome, and he's written it to the Ephesians, those that live in Ephesus, and he's talking about this mystery. Well, let's jump into nerdism for a, a second here. Let's, let's nerd out on this. Is this okay? We, we talk a lot about this chiastic structure. And, and what this means is simply this. It's statements that Paul writes in, in his literary structure of these 13 verses. He makes statements. Then he makes a point. And then he reverses those statements. It's called a chiasm. And here, what this does in this passage is it shows us an important part of this passage. So... These 13 verses, let's walk through what this chiastic structure is, okay? The first one you can see is in, verses, uh, in verse 1. He talks about being a prisoner. So that would be the first statement made. Now jump all the way to the very end. Verse 13 is kind of the reverse, the answer, the, the, the parallel of this. And it talks about this. I am suffering as a prisoner would do for you. So he's a prisoner. He's suffering. So let's take one more step in. The second thing that he says here is in verse 3. He talks about this mystery being made known. Well, the reverse to that 
is in verse 9, and he talks about there the mystery being hidden. And all this, all you literary guys are going, ladies are going, this is awesome, points to a beautiful truth of this passage, which can be highlighted in verse 6. And in verse 6, it talks about Gentiles, our fellow heirs to this message. This is the mystery. How, how can this be? Well, this mystery was important that Paul is talking about. This mystery is important to four groups of people. And I'm going to have a short message today. Is that okay? Is that all right, Jason? We're going to have a short message. Chad or Carter. Sorry. This mystery is important to four uh, different groups of people here. And one, it's important to Paul. If you look in verses one through five, this mystery is so important to him. Paul's conversion on the road of Damascus, if if you know his conversion, his his conversion on the road of Damascus was not just for him, but it it wasn't just for a person, but it was for a people. This message that God revealed to him in this turn in his life wasn't just for him, but it was for a people. For example, if, if Paul would have said, God, thank you for this conversion, thank you for showing yourself to me, and he would have just held on to that, then we wouldn't even have a lot of the Bible that's, that we have today. You see, Paul took this message, and this mystery was known, and it wasn't just for him, it was for a people. Oftentimes, survivors of dramatic events go on to teach or to help others that are going through that dramatic event themselves. I mean, just think about Alcoholics Anonymous and the way that it's built off of this. You, know, you have people that are, that are teaching you how to get out of addictions or whatever it may be by people that have gone out of addictions and they've gone through it themselves. And oftentimes we see this. We see people that, that maybe a mom was saved because of a heart transplant and so the daughter ends up being a, a surgeon that does this later on in life. Like dramatic things we see happening in the course of people's lives. They simply sometimes end up being the answers to those things. And here we see Paul. And what's Paul? What is he before Paul? He's Saul. And what's Saul? He's the guy that's out that's killing Christians and persecuting Christians. Hates Christians. And then as he comes into the love of Jesus Christ, this mysterious message pops open to him and he comes alive in this. And it's the love of Jesus Christ. See, it's important to him. He was a prisoner because he was faithful to preach the mystery to the Gentiles. Any of you feel like you're prisoners to this message? And not in a bad way, but Paul's conversion was such an important thing and such a dramatic thing in his life that years later we fast forward and we see him in house arrest and he's saying, I'm a prisoner to this message because it has compelled me, it has changed me, it has motivated, it has done everything and so he's preaching it. He can't help but get it out. What are some things in your life that you felt uh, like you're a prisoner to this message. Like you're gonna advocate it, run for it, shout it from the highest mountaintops, whatever it may be. Here we see this, this mystery was important to Paul because he was changed by this love message. Have our lives been changed by this love message? Have we encountered the love of Jesus Christ in our own life? Okay, so it was important to Paul. Who else is this message important to? It's important to the Gentiles. If you look through verses 6 through 8, and let's, let's read verses 6 through 8. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Now, 
to this time, God's chosen people were the Israelites, the Jews, right? But now this mystery is coming about and it's opening up and saying that this love message is to the world at large. So it's to the Gentiles, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. And in verse 7, of, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, the Gentiles, they had no claim on the promises of the Abrahamic covenant. They had no claim on this. But we see that in Christ, you see that right there in your scripture, in Christ, through Christ, they received this new power. It humbles Paul that he is one that's delivering this message. And it should humble us that we're the ones that, that are able to deliver this message. It reminds me of 1 Timothy 1.15. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. As Paul's writing this message in, in prison and house arrest, I wonder if he's even flashing back to the Christians that he persecuted, the Christians that he killed. And I wonder if he's saying of me, I, I, why me, God? Are you using me to deliver this message, this love message to not only your chosen people, but now the Gentiles, your chosen world, the people at large, and you're using me, a broken man, to do this? They received, the Gentiles received, unsearchable riches. Do you see that in verse 8? Unsearchable riches. This would be a, a good question to just kind of think about, maybe even talk about. I would have us do it right now, but we've, we've talked a lot, haven't we? But this would be a good question for house churches. What are these unsearchable riches that, they, that they've discovered, that God has relayed, uh, relayed to them, that Paul is talking about? That's a good question to talk about later. So this mystery, it's important to Paul. It's important to the Gentiles. We look in verse 10. Some of you like this one. It's important to the angels. You think about that. By observing the church, the angels, good and evil, learn from the manifold wisdom of God. Here's a fact. Satan does not have wisdom. Satan knows the Bible. He understands when, where, and how, and why the Savior would come. He knows that. But nowhere in the Old Testament did he understand the mystery of the church. He, he doesn't get it. Where Jews and Gentiles would become one in Christ, in one body, seated with Christ in heavenlies, and completely victorious over Satan. See, this is a mystery to him. He doesn't get it. And the angels are even learning from this. Hey, church, Here's something to listen up to today. So if you need to sit up or you need to stretch it out, whatever you need to do, here's something to listen up today. Because I'm going to tell you the fourth, the fourth group that it's important to, and that is us. Why this message is important and the mysteries are so important. It's important to us. But here's the truth. Satan is aggressively trying to put the church in a bad light. 
I mean, just, just think about maybe the conversations you've had with people or what you've even seen on the news or things that have happened within the even recent weeks. Satan is trying to put the church in a bad light. I've been in more conversations with Christians lately, the last couple of weeks especially, where Christians are speaking in defeated language. Have, have you? I, I hope not. A church is the hope of the nation. Church is the hope of the world. Christ is still alive. That's a good southern amen right there. Like, Christ is still alive. He is love. So don't believe death when it speaks and is lived out in the lives that we see in the media and whatever's happening around us. Don't believe and don't buy, at, buy the fact that the world is speaking death and Satan wants to cut us out. Church, I say the opposite. This mystery, this love message, the thing that converted Paul on the road, the things that have changed many of our lives, like this love message right here is about God and his love. Church, hold your heads high and love sacrificially. This is a beautiful message. We are his bride. He is building his church. It's not us. Like, I have messed up church project over and over and over again. And our elders, we've messed up church project over and over and over again. We've made good decisions and bad decisions, but here's the final, the final deal. God is building his church. It's the hope of the nation. She is lovely. This beautiful thing called the church. One of our young couples, they're cute, Aaron and Nina right now. They're, they're, they're not here today. They're excused. They're getting married today. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. They're getting married today, and I bet they are so excited for their future. I mean, I, I bet. If not, we got problems. I know we are. He's in, they're in our house church. I know they're excited for their future. Our future is bright as God gets glory. Our future is bright, church, as God gets glory. Regardless of what the situation around us looks like, this mystery, this love message, man, it impacts us and it impacts the world regardless of whether Satan wants to kill us or not, which he does. So this mystery is important to Paul, it's important to the Gentiles, it's important to the angels, and I told you it's important to us. Look in verses 11 through 13. It should be important to all Christians today. It reminds me of 2 Timothy 2.2, and 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, and what you have heard me, heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. This love message should so impact us that we're teaching it to others, that we're sharing it wherever we go, whether it's a smile, whether it's with our eyes, but we're saying, hey, church at large, we have hope. World at large, we have the hope, and it's the love of Jesus Christ. The Bible that I read, we see the, this great commission that God gives us. He gives us a great commission, and it's, a, it's the same great commission that he gave Peter and Paul, and it belongs to the church today, us, us, his church, to spread this love message about Jesus Christ, this forgiving message about who he is, who God is to the world at large. There is no national, racial, political, or physical, or social distinctions in the church. We are the church. Look around. We are the church. God is building his church. 
in essence, the thrust of these 13 verses can be wrapped up in a little bit of a verse, Galatians 3, 28. There is neither, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We move together in unison as his church. He loves us. He loves the world at large. One of the things that, that we get to do right now, and, and I want to I move a little bit into talking about how this may impact us, even Church Project, and, and our lives at large. And one of the things that we do at Church Project is our ministry partnerships. And we got to see Dave today and talk about ISI today, and, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because here's the reality. As Satan wants to take us out, here's where he'll, he'll even start in this room. He'll begin to pick us off one by one saying, okay, this church is too weird or you're not learning enough or whatever it may be. He'll come and he'll put little, little things our way to start picking us off. And here's the image that I talked with someone about this week. And I, and I just want to pose this image for you. Think of a pool, a swimming pool. We've got a great swimming pool. I can do a one and like a half sometimes. Sometimes I land on my stomach. But picture this pool. You have the shallow end and it goes gradually down to the deep end, right? And, I, and I, I just want to pose this, that this is where we all are. We're in this pool somewhere. As followers of Christ, we're in this pool. And some of us, you know, we, we've really been hurt, and we sit here right now in the chair that we're at or even listening online to this, and we've been hurt. Really, the only thing that, that we can do and muster up at this point is you're lucky I'm even here right now. Like, I've been hurt in church so bad. I just want to sit, and I just want to kind of chill in the shallow end, and, and please, don't play with my analogy. You can poke holes in it. But don't be offended by this analogy. Just look at it for, for the beauty of it. I, all I can do is like lean on the side and stand in the shallow end, and I'm just kind of here. I'm here. Thank you. This is beautiful. If that's you, be here. Hang out, but don't forget sunscreen. You can get burned. Like, just, just be here and let God heal and love on you and show you his grace in your life. Like, oh, he loves you. Some of us, maybe we've just jumped into the pool, or some of us, we've been here for a while, and now we're at that weird angle spot, you know, where you've got, you're like, you have one leg high, one leg low, and the water, you know, it could go over, I mean, you're just kind of right here, like, you, you want to actively, you want, oh, I'm ready to get involved, like, I'm ready to do something, and Dave talks up, and stands up, and talks about ISI, and you're going, amen, yeah, but not yet, like, Kind of yes, but no, like you, you're just right here, like you want to do something, but maybe even your life is tapped out. That's, okay, I get it. Um, I'm not saying that the only thing that we can do in the gospel message is our ministry partnerships, like our whole life is ministry. As we're talking about getting in tandem with, with some of the ministry partnerships that we have, some of us, we could be at the place in life where we want to do some more, we want to get involved, but Maybe our life doesn't, isn't ready for it or whatever. And that's okay. If we're there, that's okay. Because this gospel message is all-encompassing in our life. It's not like something we sign up for to say, now we're doing it. Turn the light switch off. Now we're not. Sign up for this. I can do it better. Now I can't. Okay, so you get this? Some of us, we're, we're really, I mean, we're in the, the deep end. Like, we're swimming. Our, our whole life is about ministry and doing it. And, and we're actively in it. Some, some of us, were involved in ministry partnerships that we have going on here as well, in addition to the places and spaces that you go and the relationships that you have. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. 
So as you sit here today, I don't know where you sit in this whole pool of activity. I don't want to say that it's about what we do, but as we sit in this pool, where do you sit right now? And just be okay in your relationship with Jesus Christ in those places and spaces and share this mysterious love wherever you go. It's about abiding in Christ. And here we want to partner with you as you engage in our community. And I'm not talking church project community. I'm talking about our community at large, Greeley and beyond. Because here's the bottom line. Some of us, we sit here, all of us, we sit here. We have so many passions, so many talents. And it's like we're waiting for the church to create some avenue for you to go and and do an act or something. And it's the complete opposite. It's like, how can we get behind you and what God is doing in you and build a ministry partnership through whatever God is calling you to do? I would not be good doing some of the things that God has totally gifted you to do. So church, if you're waiting for permission to come alive, here's your permission. Come alive. Swim in this pool. Enjoy it, whatever level it is. Swim in your relationship with Christ. And if he's putting a passion or a calling on your life or something to do or something to focus on, go for it. Just let us know how we can support you. Let us know how we can get behind you as a church and build a ministry partnership. See, we do our ministry partnerships. By the way, you're given to these already. Your ties go to this. Let me talk about some of them. We're already involved financially, but we want to be involved relationally. Here's some of the things that we're supporting right, right now. Do you know the hills are in Africa right now? Do you remember praying for them as they're going around the world and spreading the good news of Christ, 12 countries in 12 months or something awesome? They're literally in Africa right now. Bryce, the guy we prayed over a couple weeks ago, our teenager, we just sent him to Haiti. Well, he's going in two days, I think, to Haiti. He's going to be living there for a month. I said a teenager. Pretty cool generation coming up. Thank you. He's going to live in, in Haiti for a month. He's going to our, our village in uh, uh, Bougewin. Bougewin with Pastor Edric. He's going to be helping serve and mission teams are going. Yeah, we're, we're partnered with that. What about uh, Youth for Christ? Youth for Christ, they, they just got a Briggsdale location and they're doing cool things up there. And they're about to go on a, on a camp, which is, which is a lot of energy, <laughs> to go do a camp. Uh, crew, the bakers, I saw them somewhere. Crew, the bakers, they've been in training and they've been gearing up for this next year on the college campus and what that may look like. Do you pray for them? Do you know them? Do you go and, and support them and love on them? Young Life, Krista, right now, is, uh, she's crazy. If you know Krista, we're partnered with her. And, and she is right now at a camp. She's been there all week. And if you've been on our Facebook page, you saw that there was, I don't know how many students getting baptized by the lake tonight, last night, I think. She's, what? Last night, two night, whatever. A lot of students getting baptized by a lake. And I go, praise God. The moment they're looking up and going, okay, I know who God is and, and what he's done in my life. Like, Chris is up there doing that right now. And may, can I hit a pause on this? She comes back tomorrow. She closes on a new house and then begins to move and then goes back to another camp for two weeks in two days, I think. She's crazy. That's a lot of energy. I say all that to say this. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock, we're going to help Krista move. So if you can help Krista move, Brittany, can I send them to you? Raise your hand. If you can help 
uh, Krista moved tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Go see Brittany after, after this. Um, ISI, Dave Shelley, um, thank you for what you're doing. I know Adam went, went back to his country, and he knows the love of Jesus Christ. And I pray that it deeply impacts him and his family. Thank you. Sacrificial giving. Thank you. Um, another ministry partnership is the Guadalupe Center and partnering with them and, and feeding ho- um, hungry people and providing homes or a place to stay for people that don't have a place to stay. We're doing that once a month right now. Um, you can see Jack, wherever Jack is, right here. Or you can sign up on our website for that. Um, Dayspring. A ministry partnership at Dayspring, students coming and getting a, a Christian education. I love that Dayspring is here, even for uh, my daughters. And we pray for the, the faculty, the administration, the staff that's here. Like ministry partnerships, just to highlight a few of, of what's going on right now. Why do we have all these? And why am I sitting here and saying, guys and ladies and church, be prisoners of this gospel message? Like, if it's changed you, it's a message worth sharing wherever you go and whatever means it looks like. It's the Great Commission. The only way that this can happen is by us abiding in Christ, being in love with who he is. And as we sit in Rome and we're in house arrest, we write a letter to other Christians and we encourage them. And we say, no, no, church is the hope of the future. And it is for Jews and Gentiles. And it has changed me. And there is positivity in this world. And God is love. He is hope. He is the future. This is why we gather, church. So I say, let's have fun doing this together. I'm going to invite us right now to uh, just close our Bibles. Short, beautiful, powerful message. Thank you, Grandpa. I didn't do it justice. Um, But I pray that God is is speaking in your heart right now, in your mind right now. And he's moving in you. I can only blout out so many words, but without the Spirit just teaching us and showing us who he is, these are just meaningless words. So this is what I pray for the most, this time right here, a time where I ask us just to close our eyes and reflect on this passage. If you're comfortable with it, just hold out your hands in front of you, just in a a submissive stance, and say, God, here I am. I receive whatever it is you want to show me today. And I also, God, I place in my hands things that I've been holding on that, you know, they're just, they're burdens or worries or, or things that I really even shouldn't be holding on. I give them to you, God. So in this place, I'd ask us just to spend some moments in silence just reflecting on who God is and what this message may mean in your life. And I'm not sure how you find yourself today. Maybe you've come into church uh, for the very first time or maybe you're here and you have no idea who God is and that's fair. Just, just if you would, just reach out and say, God, would you please show yourself to me? His Holy Spirit is moving right now. He's compelling those. He's calling those. Would you be open to his calling today? Some of us, um, maybe we're, we're hearing this message is just a, it's an encouraging message. 
It brings us back to that place when we realized when we were living without God and he encountered, his love encountered us so hard and it has just changed us. Maybe the only thing we can do is just say, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Some of us, out of our relationship with Christ and our love of who he is, out of abiding in who he is and who we are in him, recently we've just noticed where God's been prodding in our heart a passion or a gifting or a a skill or ability or a calling or something that is just, it's starting to bubble up in us. Like we want to go, we want we want to do something, and if that's the case, would you surrender that to God? Say, God, I'm I'm yours, whatever it looks like. As if you need my permission for that. God, this life is from you. It's about you. Thank you for covering over me. May you get the glory in everything that I do and say in my life. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.